Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Parkview. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, hope everything was a, a great evening for you, and you guys are all excited for the new year. Uh, our service flow is going to be a little different this morning. We're just kind of letting you know that up front. Uh, the message is going to come a lot earlier in the service because we've got some response activities that we'd like to do with you. But uh, to begin, let's stand by uh, proclaiming the goodness and the grace of God together. Praise to life, our God is able. 
sing with us. Joyful, joyful, we adore you, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of eternal gladness, fill us with the light.
All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkview. Happy New Year. And um, I love first Sunday of the year. It's a great um, chance for us. We're going to do just a little bit of a different service today. You're going to have a little more time to pray. We're going to do some looking back at last year and doing some praying about that and looking ahead for next year and uh, this year ahead. So uh, you also need to know this is a safe place. You know, if you're still grieving from Rose Bowl uh, defeat, you're, you're welcome here. This is still a place to share those hurts and feelings and um, we'll try to move on, all right? So, um, but uh, it's, it, this is such a strategic, I, I love beginnings of years because again, it just kind of sits on that looking back, looking forward um, kind of thing. And it's the time of year we'll get all kind of predictions about what's going to happen in 2016. And we actually just came out of an interesting year. There was a movie in 1989, Back to the Future 2, that, was, that moved forward into 2015 and tried to project what life would be like. So it's kind of interesting to look at some of the things they got right. You know, so for example, flat screen TVs are, are you know, common today. And that's one thing they predicted, or video conferencing, uh, drones, you know, they nailed that. There were a few things they missed, like there aren't hoverboards yet, you know, or self-lacing shoes or flying cars or exercise bikes at cafes. Like if you ever see me on an exercise machine, you're going to be glad for that. You don't want people dripping sweat right into your coffee. So it's kind of good that those two things are still separate. Um, I think they were off by one year on a prediction of the Cubs winning the World Series too. So if you're familiar with the movie, they said the Cubs would win in 2015. They actually got that wrong. It would be 2016. So, um, but again, this is the kind of time of year you look ahead and you go, you go, okay, well, this is the year I'm going to set some goals and I'm going to lose some weight or I'm going to do more reading or I'm going to spend more time uh, with my family or you look hopefully into the year ahead, like maybe this will be the year that the business finally takes off or that I get a 4-0 or that I'll meet, you know, maybe your romantic life will kick up this year and I'll meet him or I'll meet her. This will be the year. And so a lot of things we anticipate this time of year. And one thing we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks would be something that I think would radically change us as people, would change this church, and would certainly change this city. And, and that's this. What if every one of us in this, that comes into this room this morning or watches live stream this morning, what if every one of us had the chance to help a friend of ours understand who Jesus is and what it means to follow Jesus, what it is to have him be your savior. Could you imagine what that would do in your life? I mean, if you've had that privilege before, there's, there's an amazing joy in that. Or could you imagine like a thousand brand new uh, followers of Jesus going all over this place and asking questions and hungry and, and growing and changing in their lives? That, that would be powerful and the difference that would make in our, our city too. In fact, if you think about the things in your life that could happen this year that will still matter 50 years after you die, there's a very small list of things. And I can tell you that having the privilege of helping lead a friend to Jesus so that they could spend eternity with him in heaven definitely will matter 50 years after your life is over on this planet, all right? So um, the English word for evangelism really comes from the root that means good news. Evangelism is people sharing good news that they've understood and that they've heard. And the good news, the gospel message is this. If we just boil down what the Bible says this good news is, first, uh, it starts with some hard news or some honest news that we have offended a holy God, that every one of us has sinned. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of a holy, of, 
uh, in the glory of God. And so out of all the people in this room, I will put myself in the front of that line because I know what I have done. I know what I have said. I know the things that I have thought. And so every one of us has fallen short, and I'll say I'm first in that line, okay? But the good news is that uh, God uh, demonstrated his love for us in this, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The whole reason Jesus came to earth was because we were sinners, that we were caught in our sin. We had offended a holy God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so we were cut off from the life of God, but yet we were so loved by God that he had Jesus, his only son, come live a perfect life, die for us on the cross, so that when we put our faith in him, our relationship with God is restored. We can experience his life and his joy, not just on this planet, but for all of eternity. And so that is good news. And so what Jesus has commanded his followers to do is to go share that good news. It's, it's really not an option. He's saying, if you have received that good news, go share it, okay? So even Jesus himself modeled this. When he lived on the planet, uh, he was, from the religious perspective, he was notorious for hanging out with the wrong crowd. He was constantly hanging out with the people the religious people thought were the sinners, the bad people. Jesus was called a friend of sinners, and it was meant to be derogatory, like a put-down, and Jesus probably said, well, thank you. Yes, that's, that's what I am. That's who I came uh, to reach out to. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And that's, again, we are all beneficiaries of that. Jesus, in spite of our sin, moved toward us because he loved us. And so he commands his followers to do the same thing that he did. In Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Don't just hang around with each other, but go, get this message out. And in Acts 1.8, he said to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so for the next three weeks, we're just going to circle around this theme of how do we share the good news of what God has given to us. And we're using the three words prayer, care, and share. So this morning we're going to talk about how we pray uh, for ourselves and how do we pray for our friends that don't really know who Jesus is yet. And so let me tell you about a couple things we've got. The staff has put together a resource for you that when you leave this morning through these doors, um, it's kind of a trifold uh, deal that'll summarize the three sermons coming up. A really easy thing you can keep in a Bible uh, and will remind you of some of the main points we have. This study is really meant to do in community groups or as a family or with a group of friends. Uh, we also have leader guides for this available at the Connect counter. So when you leave, we'd love to resource you to continue to study these themes throughout the next three weeks. And there's also a card that you got when you came in your bulletin this morning. If you could keep this handy, uh, we're going to be writing on this throughout the morning. So you can pull it out. It says Ignite on the front. Ignite is a prayer meeting that's going to happen this Wednesday night. We've asked all the ministries to, to not launch yet and kind of keep Wednesday night free so that the church can gather and kids are welcome. Uh, we have child care for the younger kids, but as a church so we can gather and pray and you'll see what we're praying about as we go through the message today. But keep this card handy. You'll, you'll need it. And uh, Mike, come on up. And before we start, there's a guy I wanted you to meet and um, grab the microphone on your way up too. That'd be great. 
we pray before each service. So like all the people that are up front singing and me and all the people running cameras are up here praying. And this is Mike Benish. Mike faithfully runs the camera that's right back over there, okay? Many weeks, Mike is back there. Mike is a, is a man who met Jesus when we were building this addition to Parkview. Uh, Mike was one of the contractors there. And just through meeting people from Parkview, people led him uh, to Jesus. And what he prayed for this morning just, just crushed my heart, just led me to tears. And I just wanted you to hear, this man fires me up often, okay? And so why don't you just share with the people what you prayed this morning when we were circling up. Just like, I, I just was talking about how I, I got saved here. I, I met Jesus here. Some people in the office, some staff, and, and some other folks, uh, secretary, shared Jesus Christ with me. And I, I got saved. I, he took away my guilt and my shame, and he gave me eternal life. And I just wanted to pray for everybody here, all my Parkview family, that, that we all would be encouraged to share with the folks that we run into this week, our neighbors, our, our unsaved family members, the, the folks at, at work, that we'd be intentional to look for people that might, that might want to hear the good news, that, that they can be with Christ, that he loves them, that God has a plan for them, and he's not here to bash them in the head. He wants to save them. He wants to love them and encourage them. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Let me pray. You stay here, buddy. Don't go away yet. Let me pray, and then we'll start our message here. So, God, I thank you for this man. Thank you for Mike. And just you know, so many times this man has fired me up by his love for you and by what you're doing in his life and his willingness just to make it clear, to put it out there. This is who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And God, I thank you for the people that were faithful to share with Mike, to reach out to Mike to have conversations with Mike and to point him to you. And I thank you for the change that you have brought in this man's life. It's all you. It's not him. It's all you. And I, I just thank you for what he prayed before the service. I thank you for what he just said, that God, may we be a church that is unashamed and unafraid to point our friends to you. And God, may there be many stories in this year to come of Mike's out there, of, of women out there who don't know Jesus now, but in this next year will meet him and will be loved by him and changed by him. So speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you please give Mike a round of applause to encourage to do this? Thank you, Mike. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at two passages this morning, and one is in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen. There's an outline you can follow in your bulletin as well. Um, but we're going to look at a prayer meeting that happened with some Christians in the early church. And I need to set up the story here and what's happened. So uh, in Acts 4, what's happened before Acts in the New Testament is that Jesus Christ has come to earth. He, he did ministry, public ministry, for about three years. He gathered leaders around him. Some were called disciples. He had about 120 followers. Uh, Jesus lived. He taught. He drew big crowds with his miracles and teaching. Jesus was crucified on the cross. He came to die for our sins. Then he rose again from the dead, and he spent 40 days with his team, with his leaders, preparing them and equipping them because 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven. And now these 120 followers of Jesus banded together, and through prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they began to launch this movement of the gospel. They began to spread the gospel. 
And what's significant about this prayer meeting we're going to read about in Acts chapter 4 is that the, the early church has just received its first threat. Something very fearful, uh, fear-producing has happened. Peter and John, um, God gave them power to heal a man who was lame, and it was on the Sabbath. And so a lot of the religious leaders were angry at that. And so they brought Peter and John before this group of religious leaders called the Sanhedrin. It was a very powerful group. It was the same uh, governing body that sentenced Jesus to death on the cross about two months before this. So this group had the authority to kill Peter and John. And yet, in spite of being in such an intimidating situation, Acts 4.12 gives us what Peter said to this group of people. And he said this, Neither is there salvation in anyone else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. I mean, Peter's just telling them about Jesus right to their face, the one that they crucified two months earlier. And so it says that the people in this group, the Sanhedrin, were so astonished at Peter and John. They were average, ordinary, uneducated fishermen, and yet they were amazed at their boldness, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And so they threatened them, and they warned them, you've got to stop preaching about Jesus. You've got to stop telling people about Jesus. And then they sent them out. And so what we're going to see in this prayer meeting is now Peter and John come back to their people, come, come back to the early church. And there was a good, this was a pivotal moment. Are they going to, are they going to listen to those threats and stay quiet? Or are they going to go and continue with boldness to let people know about Jesus? So here's, here's what happened. Acts 4, verse 25. It says, when they heard it, so when the, this church heard what happened to Peter and John, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against the rulers uh, or gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had all prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And what I want us to notice first is what they did right away in response to what could have been a very fear-provoking situation is that they got together and they prayed. You know, the number one reason why a Christian will not tell a friend about their faith or about Jesus is fear. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid that we'll mess up, you know, the gospel somehow. We're afraid it'll make things awkward with this person in our relationship. And so fear really shuts us down. And so really for a lot less uh, reason than these people had. These people were threatened with their lives, and yet they continued to respond in boldness. And so what I want us to notice is that when they were afraid, they gathered people together and they prayed. And I wonder, let me ask you, when is the last time that when you were afraid to do something you know God was calling you to do, when's the last time you gathered people around you to pray that you would be bold? If you're like me, there have probably been very few times you've even done that. But what I love here is the culture of evangelism, that this wasn't a bunch of individual people out trying to help their friends 
find Jesus. This was a team of people. And so when there was, a, there was a need for boldness, there was a place to go and share that and for people to pray for each other. A couple other things I want us to notice. Let's look at what they prayed, kind of the themes of their prayer meeting. They prayed this. They prayed that God is in control. They reminded each other that God is sovereign, not the Sanhedrin, not this religious group of people, but that God is the one that's in control. God is sovereign. There's really no one to fear. If God is for you, who can be against you? So they, they reminded themselves that God is in control. They reminded themselves that God's plan will prevail. They talked about the people plotting in vain against God's plan. That, yeah, here were these rulers plotting against God's plan, and they just laugh. Who can go against God's plan? God's plan will prevail. And God's plan is for the gospel to go out and for his people to share the gospel. That's why Jesus came. That's why we are sent. And so uh, there was a confidence there. God's plan will prevail because God is in control. And then they just asked very clearly, God, give us boldness. And now look upon the threats, look upon their threats, and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And what we see happen in the next chapters of Acts is powerful. That's why Honestly, I'm excited for this morning that we're going to spend some time praying for these themes, that we're going to gather Wednesday night. We've circled a night on the church calendar where we all gather to pray because I believe God responds when his people pray together. And you can look in the book of Acts and see how God responded to this very first prayer meeting. Look at some things that happened. In Acts 4, verses 32 to 36, the people responded with generosity when the persecution ramped up, they bonded closer together with each other. Acts 42, uh, 4.32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, and people met each other's needs. That's what Jesus said, By this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And so in a very powerful way, God answered their prayer by bringing them closer together, that they were there to meet each other's needs. I love hearing Mike's story of how people came around him and helped him in his time of need to meet Jesus. And then I know after last hour, the people that went back there to talk to Mike, I saw one man in tears just talking about the the times that Mike and this guy have just shared life together. And so that's a picture of what God wants to do in us. We're We're so prone in our culture today to just go and be by ourselves, and yet one way God's going to answer our prayers for getting the gospel out is he's going to bring us together in very real and powerful ways to meet each other's needs so that an outside world looking in to what Christian life is like will see believers who are loving each other, who are committed to each other. So we see that in Acts 4.32. You've got to read this in Acts 5. A kind of a hilarious story happened. So they, these, these early Christians had joy in the midst of suffering because what happens is that Peter and John go back out and start preaching again and they get arrested, they get thrown in prison and they're gonna get put on trial the next day but as they're in prison at night an angel comes and lets them out and so the next morning Peter and John are back out preaching the gospel again and so you can picture all these religious authorities in their offices in the morning looking out the window and there they are preaching again it's like how did they get out of prison they go to the prison guard and say what happened how'd you let them out he says i don't know the gates are locked the doors are closed they're just not there you know and so they bring them in again they threaten them they beat them and so here's their response again to to increased suffering it says 
that then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And so every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. And so they prayed for boldness. And as persecution and, and um, even the suffering increased, their boldness increased because God heard their prayers and he answered them. And you go to Acts 8, 4. As you continue to read through Acts, the persecution continued to increase. One of the leaders was named Stephen, and he was hit with rocks until he died. He was stoned and killed. And then that, that murder of Stephen kind of opened the floodgates for more persecution. And the religious authorities began arresting Christians and grabbing them and going home to home to arrest them. And so the Christians scattered all over the region. And if you read Acts 8, 4, it says this. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So they didn't just shut up and hole up. They fled for their lives. But as they went, they continued to preach the gospel. And so God actually used that persecution against his church to get the gospel out of Jerusalem into many areas all around Jerusalem where the gospel had not yet gone because these people were bold. They, God heard their prayers, God gave them boldness, and they, they continued to proclaim the gospel as they went. If you've been at Parkview for a while, I, and I haven't used this for a while, but one illustration I love to use of the gospel is that it's like a baton. It's like when you run track, you're on a relay team, and you get a baton passed to you. If you know the gospel, if you know that Jesus is your savior, somebody has handed that baton to you. Who was it that introduced you to Jesus? Who did God use in your life to bring you to Jesus? That person handed you the baton of the gospel. And what God is saying is, okay, let's go. Who, who's next? Who are you going to pass that baton to? And what's really interesting is if you could trace the baton that you hold, the gospel that you hold, and trace it back, like who gave it to the friend who gave it to you, and who gave it to them, and who gave it to them, that eventually that baton would go all the way back to this original group of 120 people that were with Jesus right before he ascended. And you look at all that has gone on with your particular baton over the centuries, the, the persecution, the hardship, the trials, that these people continue to persist and passionately pass on the gospel. It's inspiring. It's, it's fascinating when you get to heaven someday to be able to trace that back. And maybe the baton you hold was was initiated by Peter himself, or it just, it would just be mind-boggling, but I think what would be humbling for us as well is to see the sacrifices and the commitment and the boldness and the courage that was all along the way in order for you to get the gospel, and may that inspire us to move forward, and you got to ask, what was it that motivated all these people to continue to pass the gospel, and I really think it was the love of God, just being totally Accepted. I love how Mike described his salvation, um, his guilt and shame removed. Like understanding that you are loved by God, that God is for you, not against you. Do, do never underestimate the power of the love of God. And uh, if there's some distance between you and God this morning or at the start of this year, um, I think it's that you don't understand how deeply loved you are. How God isn't looking at you with a scowl. God is looking at you with either the offer of his son Jesus to rescue you from sin, or if you've received that gift, he is looking at you as his son or daughter. He loves you deeply. It's the love of God that compels us 
to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for him. And so that's powerful. You look at what they prayed for. You look at what God did in their lives. And again, the main point is I want you to see that they gathered together and they prayed. And again, excited for what we could do, what could happen as a result even of Wednesday night. And so let me direct you to this card here. Again, this is from your bulletin. And on one side, it has the word ignite. That's what we're calling Wednesday night. Wednesday night is ignite. And um, on the other side, there's some room for you to write on. And so there's a couple things I'd like for you to write on. You can double task during my message if you want to. Uh, We're going to give you some time at the end of the message to pray and to write some other things. But what I'd really like you to do for the rest of the message is think specifically about a couple of people in your life that you just, you really love them. They're friends. You spend time with them. Maybe they're in your family but you're just not sure if they know Jesus yet or not. And so if maybe on one side of this card, you could just start writing down first names or initials. Um, What we'd like to do with these cards, and we got a bunch turned in from last hour, is when you leave today, you'll just leave them on your seat and we'll collect them. And then Wednesday night when we're praying, we'll just kind of scatter all over this room and just pray for, you know, each other's friends. And so that's one thing on this card you can do. Another thing you can do is, How can we pray for you? What are some things we could pray for you so that you would be empowered or emboldened to to share Jesus with these people, okay? So keep that tucked away. You can work on this as we're talking because the next passage we're gonna look at together is a passage that just teaches Christians, teaches us how do we pray for our friends that don't know Jesus yet, okay? Let me say this real quick too. I, I know there's some people here this morning. I've got friends here this morning that I'm not sure if they're Christians yet or not. And so one thing you might put on this card is just say, pray for me. Like, I don't get this stuff yet. I don't get who Jesus is yet. Pray for me. And um, you're welcome to do that as well, okay? So, but if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter four. That's our next passage we're gonna look at today. Colossians four. Um, The verses will also be up here on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Let me read this together again. This is by Paul. Uh, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Paul was, uh, I would think, one of the strongest people ever at sharing the gospel. And so what's interesting is if there's any person that's ever walked on the planet that could have just won it, you know, and just like, just done it without prayer, you would think Paul would. But Paul was very clear that he wanted people to pray for him when he was sharing the gospel because sharing the gospel is really a supernatural deal. It's God working in another person's life in a way that we cannot So when we pray for something, we realize, I can't do this. I'm depending on God to do this through me. And so look at what Paul says about about praying for our friends. He says this, Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everybody. Again, let's look for some specifics. Circle back in this passage. I want to highlight four things that Paul said to pray for. One is, he said, pray for open doors. Pray for opportunities. And what's really interesting is, uh, I, I, I think God does that. And I think as we're praying for opportunities, we're more aware of that. And so I have friends that I pray for regularly, four or five times a week. 
And one of the things I pray for is, God, give me an opportunity. And what I find is when I'm praying that, is when I'm with that person or when we're in a conversation, I'm looking, I feel like I'm more aware. I'm looking for opportunities uh, to, to talk about Jesus with them. And so Paul says, pray for open doors, pray for opportunities. Pray that we'd make the most of those opportunities. The second was this, Paul said that he wants clarity. Could you pray that I would be clear when I explain the gospel? And again, that baffles me. Paul wrote half the New Testament. Like if anybody, you know, probably didn't need a prayer for clarity, it would have been Paul, but he knew uh, again how supernatural this transaction is about explaining the gospel. God, my words will not be sufficient. Would you make it clear? God, would you open their eyes? God, would you give me the words? And can I, can I encourage you in this too? Sometimes what keeps Christians quiet is that you're afraid you're gonna mess it up, right? And so I think this prayer confronts that. God, when I get a chance, just help me make it clear. Just help me say what needs to be said. So you're depending on God to give you words. I think, I think it's great to be trained. Like the, the, the things we're giving you to equip you are very important. But in that moment, in each situation, pray that God would give you the exact words to say. Here's the third one is that Paul said that we should pray that we would live wisely um, toward outsiders, that our lifestyle would back up our words. It was interesting, there was a time where Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, Paul referred to Christians as his letter of recommendation, that God has written on their lives. Um, what God is doing in their lives is like a letter that shows the people around them that this gospel is powerful. And so Paul referred to these people as like a letter of recommendation. I think that's what he's getting at here, that our lives would represent the gospel, that even before we get a chance to open our mouths, that people would see that there's already something going on in, in our lives. Uh, I heard a testimony this week of a, he's now a Christian, but he came to this country as a first-generation Muslim, and that his parents instructed him as he went his first day into a public school in the United States as a Muslim, he said, we want you to be the most respectful, the hardest working, uh, and the most generous student in your school. We want you to represent our family and our faith well. And so again, this man since then has come to Christ, but, but again, loving that challenge that he, is a challenge that we should take as well, that wherever we work, whatever neighborhood we live in, that we should be known as people who are different because the gospel has changed us. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York, and here's a list of things that, that I came across. I thought it was a great list. Like, may our lives be marked with integrity and with generosity or hospitality toward those in need especially, or sympathy or sexual purity or how we respond to adversity and equity, treating all people um, fairly. And so again, these are all qualities, not that we crank out that but that through the gospel, God does in our lives. And I love the quote that says, if you have what everybody else wants, you won't have to shove it on them. They'll steal it from you. And that's kind of the point here is that, God, would you continue to do a work in me through the gospel so that my life will speak clearly of the power of the gospel so that we would live wisely is a prayer. And the last one is that we would have wise words, that our conversations would be gracious um, and that they would be seasoned with salt was the phrase that Paul used. I want you to think about there's, there's some people in your life that after you've had a conversation with them, you generally feel lifted up. You feel encouraged. 
And think about that person. Usually that person doesn't grumble a lot, doesn't whine a lot, doesn't complain a lot, doesn't talk about themselves a lot. In fact, that person usually will ask you a lot of questions or would, would encourage you about things. And, and so uh, learn from that. There's, there's different verses in the Bible that teach us about the power of our words. And so in general, are you, are you known for that? What are the words? What's, what's the result of your words in other people's lives? But if we need to go, even go deeper than that, I think sometimes Christians don't share their faith because they feel like you've got you've to give them the mother load right away. Okay, let me explain creation and evolution to you. Let me you know, explain the existence of God to you. Let me explain the whole gospel to you. Let me, let me encourage you to start simply with some things that you can sprinkle into your conversations, particularly with colleagues at work or people you go to school with or whatever, things like this. You could um, just identify yourself as, as a follower of Jesus. Just slip that in there sometime or, or just mention that you go to church or that you're in a Bible study or that you read the Bible. And then you look for other times maybe where you could just kind of share um, about a, a struggle or a battle that God has helped you through, maybe with your temper or maybe with worrying or a verse in the Bible that has really helped you through a challenging time in your life. And then be ready for how people respond. It's kind of like when you go on a, you go on a vacation and you come back like say you went to the Rose Bowl, right? And so somebody says, how was the Rose Bowl? And you go, yeah, whatever. But, but how was the trip to California? Some people will ask you that and they just want the quick answer. Like, oh, it's great, good. And then they're gone. Like that's all they wanted, okay? Uh, but sometimes they might ask a question or two. Well, was it warm? Where'd you go? Did you go to the Rose Bowl parade? You know, all that. So maybe there's like a one minute answer there that you got. But there might be a person that might say, you know what? I just want to hear totally about your trip. Let's go out for coffee. Show me all your pictures. And so really your faith, um, your chance to share your faith with somebody could be very similarly. And don't underestimate those times where you identify as a follower of Christ or where you talk positively about your church or about Christians in your life or you talk positively about a time that God has helped you through a hard time. You are planting seeds that as you continue to live out your life, you continue to show them the fruit of the gospel in your life that you never know who is really watching you, who's really leaning into you, and who's really eventually gonna ask you, okay, could you just tell me, why are you different? And so, um, so as your conversation uh, is seasoned with salt, look for those ways you can drop those wise words into your relationship. And so basically what we're doing here this morning then, the rest of this time, is I wanna give us time to just to pray. And I'm gonna give you a little time now and then uh, another one of our pastors, Doug Fern's gonna come up and lead us through a prayer time as well. But, but right now, again, if you haven't been doing this yet, if you could take this card and again, write out some people in your life that you're, you're praying for, you care about, some things that we could pray for you for as well. And at the end of the service, you can just leave this on your seat. But I'm gonna give you some time right now to, to do that and to, and to pray for these people. And then... Uh, we'll collect an offering, and so if you're new to Parkview, just let the offering plate go by. If you're a member, regular attender, that's for you. Uh, we'll sing a song together, and then Doug's going to lead us in a little more time to pray uh, for the year ahead. So let me pray for us now. God, I pray that in these next minutes that you would really just bring to mind the people in our lives, maybe even people we're not thinking of right now, but people we see regularly in, in classes or at work or in our neighborhood or at the gym or wherever it is, just just bring to mind people that you really want us this year to be praying for and that you want to give us an opportunity 
to share Jesus with this year. So use these minutes now, God, to speak to your people. Give us boldness. Give us clarity. And I just pray, God, how, I just, I'm amazed at how awesome it would be if every one of us had that joy and privilege of helping somebody find you this year. So use this time now, God. We cry out to you for our friends.
out your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
consider the year that lies before us. Our hope, our prayer now, Lord, is that you would conform us to your image, that you would uh, make us look more and more like you, Father, that we would be a reflection of your goodness, um, your mercy, your grace to the world around us, Lord. Uh, pray that you would give us the strength, that you would encourage us for the challenges that may lie ahead of us, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen your saints. The other thing we want to do is kind of direct our attention to those cards. We wrote down names of folks who um, we want to just lay before the Father, um, opportunities for us to share the good news of the gospel with those folks. And maybe our, maybe as we thought of names to write on the card, maybe it was difficult. Maybe there weren't names that were popping into our head. So just even now, spend a few minutes asking God to reveal, okay, who is it um, that he can use you um, to share the gospel with? stand together. Let's close proclaiming the goodness of who God is in our life. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am.
for your grace thank you for not treating us as we deserve thank you for reaching out to us when we were yet wanting everything else but you uh, God you still reached out to us and you opened our eyes you unstopped our ears that we might hear you softened our heart that we might receive the good news of the gospel so thank you for that Father lay upon our hearts who it is that you're asking us to be praying for, to be good stewards of the good news of Jesus to bring us back yet again next week that we might yet again bless your holy name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Guys, don't forget as you uh, head out of the sanctuary here, um, there's a little resource on your left-hand side there uh, that Doug was talking about earlier. You can grab that as you, as you leave. But we'll see you next week.